Hello, this is Craig Gamble, head of school at Brewster Academy, and welcome to this edition of Diverse Thinkers Podcast. This time around, we've got faculty member Chris Light, who is joining us, as well as junior Morgan Johnson and junior Allison Nagorniak. Today, we're talking about a bunch of things, but they're all going to be revolving around debriefing on an all-school we had last week with Jacob Sobaroff, who is the author of the New York Times best-selling book, Separated. So welcome, everybody. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Hi. So what day of the week is it? It's Thursday. Thursday. What month is it? February. Yeah, so it's Thursday in February in northern New England at a boarding school. And instead of sleeping in, you're sitting and talking with me. So thank you for being here. So I want to remind everybody about uh, Brewster's mission statement, which is we prepare diverse thinkers for lives of purpose. And again, I'd like to remind you of Brewster's vision statement, which is an approach to learning that has the exponential power to transform education, communities, and the lives of students in our care. These are two ideas drawn from our lexicon that we used to frame out Jacob's uh, All School. And you were both panelists and asked wonderful questions. And as we look back, I want to I talk first about how you made sense of, of the book, of, the, of your reading of the book, of what Jacob had to say. So let's talk about the book first. After reading the book, what has really stayed with you? Um, I think a big thing that stuck with me while reading it was just the, the numbers. Um, there was one number that really stuck out to me was 5,550-something 5, kids had been separated from their families. And in statistics, like statistics wise, that doesn't sound like a huge amount of kids, but put into perspective, I mean, thinking about like the foster care system and the adoption process, like kids without parents, that has a huge impact. And when it impacts U.S. children, it's a really big deal. And we credit it for juvenile behavior and whatnot. But when we think about the immigrant children and them being separated from their family, it's like oh, okay, well, that's not a huge number. But in reality, that's 5,000 lives that were impacted. And it's just stuck in my mind because I could only imagine like what impact that has on them and the families. So it's, it's definitely something that stuck with me. Um, going off that, during in the middle of the book, I had like a big awakening because I realized how young the kids were. They were like, f like younger than five and those years of your life are so formative and to be separated from your parents, it's just going to leave a long lasting impact and really affect them. And I think um, the book really, really awakened my eyes to that. I think it's something that needs to be fixed and altered and we need to make sure that those kids like all, are all right because that's traumatizing to them to not be without their parents at such young ages. Yeah, I I agree with with both of those things. Both of those things uh, st stuck with me as well. And and for me, it was um, this idea of the way that we consume news. I mean, I was aware of this story before reading the book, um, but only in that way that we kind of consume media right now, where we spend 
uh, almost very little time. We just kind of fly through scrolling on a on a Twitter feed or or however however you're getting the news, but you get these these stories just as the headlines that they are. And reading this book was a, an opportunity to go much deeper into that and and to bring humanity to statistical numbers, right? So you say 5,000 people and if you read that in a headline, your brain either sees that as a big number or a small number. But to read this book is to go into the depth and, and the stories of some of those people. And all of a sudden, it starts to build it much more out. And, and, and you get a, a, a much more startling uh, you know, reaction to the huge impact of what that is for the, the kids and what the rest of their lives are going to be like as a result of what they've gone through. And as I, as I read the book, I was... Uh certainly startled by the numbers and startled by the, the revelation that this is one sad story among many stories that I had glossed over. But I really stuck with the notion that this was uh, a problem that had causes that, were, that uh, can be traced back multiple generations, both uh, politically, both Democrat and Republican. And it made me think a lot about the deeper structures that drive all of the stories that we read. We only, if we saw 1% of the truth on Twitter and we saw 50% of the truth in this book after consuming it, which was whatever, 263 pages or something like that, it, it, it compelled me to pay closer attention to fewer things and and I'm curious, as you think about uh, the book itself, were there any revelations that came out of what Jacob said that you didn't derive from the book itself? Yeah. I mean, a lot of what he had answered and talked about when we had asked him questions was stuff that we had kind of already read, but kind of picked up our own theme from reading it and really put a specific intent behind our questions. Um, and of course, like they were leading questions. So we kind of like anticipated certain answers, but more so, um, I think one really big theme that I picked up was just how history doesn't come out of nowhere. And a lot of what you just said kind of references that like, this is something that's been built up over years. And it's like, it all comes from something. It's nothing new. So when reading this book, it's like really shocking to hear all this stuff, but it's been going on for years. And I think that's been something that's really like spoke to me and kind of really came along with me as I came back to Brewster from break, just like knowing your role in society and in history. And one of the questions we had asked Jacob was like, what, how, what, how does it impact you knowing that this book could have a lot of historical significance one day? People will look back and read this and see like, this is what was going on at this time. And like asking him that question, I think prompted me to ask myself that question, like what is my purpose and where can I go with what I'm passionate about or what I'm shocked by and what I want to change? Yeah, I, 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 for me, when I was listening to to Jacob talk about this, I think that the two things from 
um, from the all school that really struck me was how he came to it. And, and I think that speaks to a little bit of what you were just talking about, Allison, that um, how he found, like, this was not his plan, right? <laughs> In many ways, he didn't have a, a, a much of a plan in determining what he was going to do. Um, but he came to this, and, and it's that, that idea of being open to that sense of purpose, right? Once he once he discovered this, right, once he started to sort of tease it out of the ground a little bit, um, it became clear that this was something that um, that was about to own him, right, it was about to own his time and uh, become a major theme of his career going forward. And, and I love that idea. I love that message to students that, um, you know, we can all the best laid plans. You can you can feel like you know what you're going to be when you grow up, that thing that we're all asked when we're, when we're much younger children. But... Um, you have to be open to that thing that's just going to strike you, right? And then and then be ready to give it all. Um, and to that point of giving it all, I think what was um, what was also moving, at least for me as a as a father, in listening to him talk was how doing that, how giving himself his all to something that he believed in, affected his personal life as well, right? That like, um, and I just I appreciated that message that he he put out there too to the students of. I was not okay. <laughs> I was not okay all the time after uh, learning about this, and it's okay to not be okay all the time. That was a, a message that really resonated. And uh, agree with all, and it, it got me thinking a lot about the purpose of an institution is to perhaps change the 11-year-old question, what do you want to be when you grow up, to how do you want to be, right? I'm curious about that and, and this book and this education and maybe their interplay or their interference. Is there any way that you are starting to think about how you want to be when you grow up? Um, when I'm growing, I definitely don't want to be somebody who who shies away from things and isn't afraid to try something new because I think trying something new gets you out of your comfort zone and makes you learn something new that you may not have done if you may not have learned if you hadn't had done it so I think like doing this it was out of my comfort zone it was doing talking to somebody figuring out questions it may have been out of my comfort zone but I'm glad I did it because I learned something I got to hear from uh, an author and hear what his experience was so and Morgan I gotta I gotta ask you a question uh, I I met you the first day you arrived at Brewster. I don't know if you remember that. We were yeah, kind of between the gym and uh, Fox right yeah. there, you and your dad and your mom and me. And I remember thinking, uh, still waters run deep uh, because you, you were clearly a thoughtful kid, but you were really, you were a kid then. You were quiet. Yeah. And what's... What's been the uh, the impulse to to have you be kind of in a traditional sense less well behaved? Um, I think coming to Brewster, I've heard a lot about stepping out of your comfort zone and not staying stagnant. Because when you stay stagnant, you don't you don't, you're not growing. And I think you just want to you want to know as much as you can and continue to learn, whether it be from the other side, people that you may disagree with, but like listening to them and hearing all sides of things really f makes you a more well-rounded person. And I think stepping into that discomfort is the best way to do that. Yeah, 
Yeah, and I, I, I see that in the evolving you. And Allison, I, I, if I can call you out a little bit, <laughs> you have, uh, Allison and I went and uh, went to a day in Concord in which mm -hmm. we saw how many presidential candidates, do you remember? Oh, like six. Six, yeah. yeah. It was just an option. The kids wanted to go, and I said, let's go. And it was you, me, and two of your friends, and we had the best day ever and had smoothies <laughs> and salad for lunch and lots of... Froyo. And Froyo and lots of uh, really interesting conversation to and fro from Concord. And, and I, so you are someone who is more, seems more natively inclined to kind of put yourself <laughs> out there. I'm wondering how this book has gotten you thinking some about uh, what your growing edge is and, and how you want to be when you grow up. Sure. Um, well, I'm very political. Um, and <laughs> I think growing up with my family, it's like, well, you can't bring politics up at the dinner table. It's not polite. It's not manners. Um, and I think coming to Brewster has <laughs> showed me a lot like, you don't have to be polite all the time. You don't have to be so gracious and passive with people. You kind of need to find yourself and be self-aware. And that's a big part of my experience at Brewster is knowing who I am and finding who I am. And who I am today might not be who I am tomorrow, but wherever that fits in is okay. And um, I, like, as I said, I'm very political. And like growing up, I've always kind of had this idea of I would watch Law & Order SVU as a kid and my parents did not want me to. I really hope they aren't listening. <laughs> but from then on, I had always, there was that prosecutor, I forget who plays him, but I always wanted to do that. And that's been something that I've always said since I was little. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a lawyer. Um, and I was, when I was young, I was very shy and quiet. So nobody saw that in me. And I... <laughs> actually have like the super fiery side to me where I just want to like debate things and a certain part of me that will come out that's very like aggressive and ready to like tackle a tough subject but I think identifying that piece of me because like I said I've grown up in a polite culture where you don't say things that offend certain people um I think it's been a part of my journey, especially at Brewster, just knowing where I stand with that and letting my challenging side come out and not necessarily just caring about people being comfortable because like in order for things to grow, you have to challenge them. And that's a really big part of this novel. Reading it, it's challenging. It's not a happy book. It's not like something you say, oh, I want to just pick up this book and it'll uplift my mood. It's kind of like you do it because you want to do something with it. It's challenging. It's like working out those muscles so they get bigger and they grow. So that's pretty much been my two cents. <laughs> can, can I follow up on that? Because yeah, I, I love that, that sort of that, that picture you paint of the what is polite at the dinner table, right? Like it's the, the two things that we always, the two subjects that, we, that at least I was taught to, to avoid by all means at, at dinner mm -hmm. parties or the dinner table is <laughs> we don't talk about politics and we don't talk about religion, right? Because those are, those are things that immediately set people up for division, right? Like they immediately, it seems like it would immediately set people up for conflict. But I push back on that. And Dr. Gemmel and I have talked about this a few times too about how, how Brewster can become a place where we do talk about those things, but that we 
we learn to talk about those things in a way that is not divisive, like what we see, you know, in, in the, in culture at large. We, how do we talk about those things? Because we want to talk about those things because they speak to who we are at the core, right? They, they speak to having earnest conversations about our sense of self and our identity. Um, but how do we do that without creating the division or pushing back or putting people's guards up? And, and so I'm, I'm curious just to hear your thoughts on, do you feel like Brewster does that or creates those opportunities for, for the students to share those aspects of their self that are at the core um, and give them the practice to have those conversations where they may not always agree or align um, to, so that when they go forward from here, that they can do so um, with grace and with, you know, a sense of bringing people together around those conversations right. rather than dividing. Yeah. The big thing about Brewster is that you have people coming from all over together and we all have to be on the campus. Like you're with people all the time and you can have different thoughts. Like if you're living in a dorm, you have all these different people and you may not necessarily like them, but you live with them. So it's kind of this idea of all coming together and whether or not you actually come together based off of your like ideals and stuff, you know, that's avoidable. That's something that you have to work towards. Um, and like, if you don't put in the work, it's not going to happen. So it brings like a broader question of like, in the U.S., there's all these dividing topics, and do we come together on them? Well, that's, like, debatable, <laughs> but it's kind of at Brewster. You kind of have to. It's the expectation. It's, like, the culture here is being able to be surrounded by people, but at the end of the day, like, even if you disagree, there has to be some sort of moral implication there where you do come together because it's a small community. So you're crossing paths with someone, whether you like it or not. And that's not necessarily something that you have to do in the real world. You should do, but it, some, some people don't, but it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a lifelong message that I think Brewster really emphasizes. Um, yeah, I think you are forced to cross paths and if you say something you're gonna have it's gonna come up and you're gonna have to address it more here than if you were out not at boarding school but I think it's important to have those debates because you learn new things from them like I was just talking to a friend and I learned a lot from them so I think it's important to have those conversations because it just helps you grow as a person. I uh, totally want to dig into this idea that that is a kind of a marriage of two things that you said. And Allison very adeptly said that uh, morality has got to be an underlying sense of shared morality has got to help us work through our differences. And, and Morgan offers that working through differences is about listening, right? So what, what, what is the institution whispering to you by virtue of its aggregate actions you know what 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 do you think the morality what is the core of this place i've never really thought about that what is our core morality i like to think that nobody necessarily is given bad morals like you i i have my own philosophy on like what makes bad people bad people and i don't necessarily think that anybody's really bad. It's just the actions that people do that communicate who they are. 
Um, and I think to go back to what you said about morals and coming together, I think having faith in people is a really big deal. It's it's not necessarily always comforting, um, but just being able to have some sort of hope for people. And that's something that we're, even with the Biden inauguration, a huge theme during his speeches were, was unity and coming together. And one really big piece of that is trusting people the same way you trust yourself and giving people the same trust that you would trust yourself to make decisions. And sometimes we don't necessarily trust ourselves. So it's really building up that self, like trust in yourself, the relationship with yourself. And I think that's something that's slipped recently for a lot of people with the pandemic too. Um, and especially while I was reading the book, <laughs> to go back to um, separated, um, it's easy to get lost in it. It's easy to get lost in his experience. But at the end of the day, when you put the book down, there you are and you're with the book and what you know from it and what you've learned. And his words aren't there. So you have to form your own opinion. And I think that's a really great lesson that reading books like that has taught me. Um, I think it's important to trust that everybody's on their own journey of finding themselves and knowing what the world is and understanding what's going on. So everybody has a process. Some people's process might be faster. Some people's might be slower. But I think having faith that people are going to learn to understand through morality and just understanding what what is wrong and what is right can happen yeah and and i think when you know so i've not been here that that long and but when i when i considered the career change i considered coming to brewster what you're speaking to is what it, what's at the core of, of of our morality or what we're about or, or who we are as a school as an institution um it what I love is is sort of the the broadness of that um, of the the mission, right? It, it it allows for all of those things that you're talking about. It, it it allows for the the fast or the slow or the different paces of the path. It it says you know we are we are diverse thinkers, right? And that the the guiding um, the the guiding north on on that is that we are being prepared for our lives of purpose and and you know it's it's so simple, but it allows for so much. It allows for so much diversity of thought or diversity of background or diversity of, of moral upbringing, but, but it, it seeks to funnel all of those things together towards one guiding path, however you might take that path, right, or however fast or slow you might take that path or whatever shape it, or form that might take. Um, it is guiding all of us, students, faculty, staff, guiding us towards our life of purpose. Um, and, you know, we could spend a whole other podcast exploring what the <laughs> idea of purpose is, right? But um, but I do love that it it allows for a lot, but it funnels to a specific um, guiding path. And I think that it's funny that I, I love talking to people, smart people, because I always learn something. And I wasn't asking that question to try to get you to excavate a truth that I knew. I really didn't understand what kind of the first principle is here. And I think the combination of what Morgan said and what Allison said and what Chris said, distill it down and, and pick it up and look at it. And what you see is one truth, and that is that we believe in 
the goodness and potential of all human beings. Right. Right? And we therefore also believe that different people think differently. And that if you take goodness and promise and diversity and put them in a blender and mix them up and let it distill for a while, you get a life of purpose, right? Mm. So that's, and the preparation is kind of, is the means, right? That's the means of taking the raw ingredients and turning them into a life of purpose. So that's incredibly helpful. And, I, you know, going back to the book, uh, Jacob uh, talks about that, his own path. And we talked a little bit about kind of improvisation and how he was doing a lot of preparation and not a lot of planning, right? We've talked about that thematically here before. And, and it leads me to a really interesting question. Uh, what's, the, what's missing? What do we need to think about as an institution in order to make sure that that preparation really is adequate for the task of trying to raise a bunch of kids up to go out and be incredibly purposeful, to be people who are attending to the improving the underlying conditions of, of those, those who are most vulnerable, immigrants who have been separated from the, their families, right, or uh, refugees who exist, uh, uh, ethnic refugees who are interned in China right now or uh, non-humans, right? organisms that are on the brink of extinction, or you, you, know, any, you can pick a lot of what's, but the why and the how seem to be interesting. Mm. What do we need to do differently? Um, a lot of what Jacob highlighted was he had said there was this one quote about how this topic of immigration is like the biggest humanitarian issue he's seen. Um, and I think that really points out, like, not necessarily what what to do, but just putting the people behind the mission and, the like, the purpose is the people and taking care of one another. Like, being a part of society is being there and being aware and being present and having your own perspective, but bringing that to other people. And I think when things become very political, like immigration, it loses its meaning. It loses the human part of it. It becomes like inanimate almost, like these aren't children that are being separated. Um, and that's a really big deal because when we think of things that we want to do, it's like, especially in high school, where it's like, oh, I can't do that because that <laughs> means I can't do this or I can't hang out with this person because that means – and that's that's real-world stuff that's with you everywhere where you're in the real world and you can't say something because it's going to mean this or this or this. And just kind of going back to like the root of these are people, this is a life, like this is – it has purpose, it has meaning, and it's much broader than what other people say and do. So what you're telling me is that we've got to tell the story of human reality outside of this place a little bit more. Yeah. That I, might be... Yeah. Uh, I mean, the big thing about this immigration thing as a whole is 
a lot of us are geographically isolated, and that's a big theme throughout history is being isolated causes a lot of problems. I mean, we saw it with World War II, like America was very isolated in that. Um, and that doesn't come from, like, this is a pattern that's been going on for so many years, and I think recently with social media and the media in general, we can easily, like, become less isolated. Everything is way more accessible. So it's really up to the people to find the motivation to do it. And that's a big part of why political, like that whole piece is becoming a little bit iffy because you have to find it in yourself. It's not, it's there, but you have to find it within yourself. And that's something that lacks sometimes, like finding that human piece of you because you have a screen that'll tell you and that's not the same thing as having another person tell you their story. So that's something that I think really resonated with me as like what I want to do is have purpose and have impact, but also not just do it for a resume or numbers and that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I, I love that. And I, and I think that, you know, it, it, to get to that, to your question about what's missing, it's the thing that we battle against all the time. It's time, right? I think that we, what I loved about this process with this book is that by spending the time to go this deep into this issue, you could not help but come away with the, the human connections behind this, right? Mm -hmm. And so the, the issue of politics melts away and it becomes this, this moral story. I mean, how do these things happen? These things happen because of fear. Right, these things happen because of what people are afraid of, and when that becomes the dominant, the, the dominant focus, then humanity melts away. But what this issue, what this book does, is it brings the people right to the forefront. But you have to put the time in to get there, and and that's what what I love about these exercises at Brewster is that um, you know you can't, we don't have the time to do that on every single issue. Right. But to be able to have the time to do that on a few issues and to go all the way with a few of these issues. Um, not only do you learn more about that and about you know, the, the people's stories behind that particular issue, but it provides a template for us to explore other issues as well. Um, and you know, that's, that's what I, I hope will be my takeaway. You know, I, hope it is, I hope it's your takeaway. I hope it's some of the students that listen to that all schools takeaway too, is that we can't just look at it as headlines. We have to spend the time with some of these things in order to really get to what's happening to the people, what's happening to the, the lives behind these things that are, that may be, you know, driven by, by our base emotions. Yeah. Thinking critical on what you're seeing, critically analyzing it to see what's truly fact, what's, what's truly under the covers of everything I think is important because a lot of times these humanitarian issues get politicized and it's either left or right. And those those sides have their things and their facts. But I think really getting down to the root of it and looking at truly what is the fact and what is critically being done and examining that is really important because most of the time, if you just look hard enough, you can find the real the real picture of what's happening. You just saw my head swiveling around because we're sitting in a history classroom right now, uh, Mr. Palmer's U.S. history classroom. And if, you, if, if the listeners could look at the walls, they would see that they are absolutely covered in historical references. There is what appears to be a bulletin board filled with uh, post-it notes and uh, photocopies 
of JFK's assassination. There's another about uh, the Vietnam War. And uh, there's another area that is looking at matters related to social justice. And, and, and I know that uh, one of the backbones of this classroom and of many is, is dialogue. There's not a teacher standing at the front of the classroom uh, telling you what you need to know, but rather kids coming together and figuring out how to look at evidence and make decisions and how to have discussion across difference. I know that happens in here. I'm wondering how, how it feels to you and if it's different than I described it or if it's different than your experience before coming here. I wonder what the classroom is like. Um, I think the discussion-based classroom is great. You, you learn a lot from each other. You're hearing people's other people's ideas and seeing, oh, wait, that was that's a good idea. Like, that's how we should do it. Or just hearing how other people are thinking. And I think that's important to, to hear. And I think Brewster does a good job of doing that in the classroom. Yeah. And I'm a verbal processor. <laughs> I mean, like, I have to say things for them to become I never would have real. guessed that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think just growing up with school, I mean, I've grown up with technology, so if I see something that's visual, it's like, eh, okay. Um, so when I'm with other learners that are visual, it kind of forces me to unlock that part of my brain um, that I don't necessarily do. I mean, I usually just talk and talk and talk. But um, it, it really – it's that it's going back to that challenge part because if I didn't have to use certain parts of my brain, I wouldn't because <laughs> I'm not necessarily inclined to be good at them. Um, and that's a really big piece about being in the classroom, especially with STAD groups. Like, you know, one person might not be uh, on a math problem, might not be really a word person, person, <laughs> word problem person, but they're really good at numbers. And so they, I could be really good at word problems and we bring that together and it's like we work with each other's strengths and weaknesses and we kind of build both of those things without, we find a balance between them. So if we're look, if we're thinking a little bit about uh, outside of the classroom, let's just take this uh, book as as a as a moment in our in our school year. What was it last week or the Jake, Jacob was last week? I think. Mm -hmm. So subsequent to Jake, Jacob's all school, was there discussion? Have you had discussion uh, outside of the classroom with your friends in the dining hall? I know that this whole COVID thing makes it harder to really sit and break things down, but curious about what that's like and how that how closely related that is to what it feels like to be in the classroom. Mm. Well, if you know teenagers, you know that they talk. And so outside of the classroom, it's not even slightly a surprise that people will talk about things um, in one way or another. I mean, an intense become unclear, but it's more about like the actual substance that's there. And before Jacob came, there there is a lot of talk. I mean, people have ideas of where they stand. You know, this whole political spectrum, people really, now more than ever, I think, try to define themselves on where they are on that spectrum. And that kind of, it limits, limits a range of thoughts and actions because people are set to a category because they want people to see them a certain way. Um, and the best part about Jacob coming, I mean, he is an MSNBC media person, so people can kind of assume where he falls, but at the same time, like with his book, it's about 
real stuff that's going on, but somebody could write it off and just say, well, he has a bias and da-da-da-da-da. But the big piece that you can take away from that is just focusing in on not the political view, not necessarily the intent, more so the actual content that's there and how that resonates with you and how that sticks with you. Because people's opinions don't necessarily have to alter the facts, and they don't. So would you say then that uh, – how would you describe the interactions then with that you've had with people about this book? Uh, they've been eye-opening. I mean – I've, I've visited the border myself. I actually took a trip with Brewster to visit the border. Um, and it's, it's, it's different because we're in New Hampshire, so it's easy to not see the other side of the country because you can't walk down the street and see it with your own eyes. So it, you don't necessarily need to think from another person. You don't need to put yourself in another person's shoes, which is a big deal and really impacts the way people perceive certain issues and where they stand on it. Because to someone in New Hampshire, paying taxes on a wall that's way away, like ways miles away, is kind of like, oh, well, that doesn't serve me. But the idea is that as a nation, we all serve each other. And that's our society as a whole is serving each other, caring for each other, but also uplifting ourselves. And that's something even in Brewster, that's a much smaller community where you practice that. And I think elsewhere, like if I had just stayed home and not come to a boarding school, I wouldn't have seen that early on and had the chance to really build on that and set that foundation. I think that Brewster Brewster puts you with a mixture of different people, so obviously opinions and views are going to clash, but I think Jacob coming, I've heard people say, like, yeah, I, he really got me thinking, like, what do I not know? What do What is there to discover still? As in Jacob's All School, he said, um, he talked about how he he didn't really know what was happening, but he, he dove in and learned more, so I think it got people thinking. Good. And that's, I would argue, uh, the best of schools teach kids how to think and not what to think. <laughs> and, I, and I think that both of you probably need to start getting ready for class. <laughs> uh, I would love to uh, thank you uh, for being Brewster students. And thank you to your parents for having you here <laughs> because uh, you make this place better. And thank you. Our dean of faculty, Dolph Clinton, says that leadership is about leaving a place better than you found it. So excited that you have another 18 months here, mm -hmm. right? And I can't wait to watch all of the good trouble you get into <laughs> along the way. I'd love to turn it over to Chris Light and have him wrap it up. Well, I also want to just thank the both of you and uh, all the other students that participated in this. It was it was a really fun journey. It was a it was an extra ask on your time and uh, of the emotional load that you take on. You know, in addition to all the other things that you're doing here at Brewster, here in the winter in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, this is not easy stuff. But uh, you and the the student group that 
that joined this this book club to to discuss this topic and to craft these questions in preparation of Jacob coming. Um, you did it voluntarily, you did it willingly, and and you didn't skimp on it. You you gave it all you had, and it was. Um, I, I very much enjoyed, as tough as some of the content was, I enjoyed the conversations that came from it. it certainly had me uh, viewing things a little bit differently afterwards. And, and I, I love that. I love that to the, that topic of dialogue and the conversations of how that, how that can, uh, you, don't, you, you leave those conversations changed, right? You see the world differently after that. And um, you all were a big part of that experience. So thank you for, for doing that. Thank you for making it possible. Uh, Dr. Gemmel, thank you for being here for this podcast. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I, I just am, uh, have nothing but gratitude for all you contributed and all you add to make that event a success, not just for your, not just for our little book group, but also for the entire school and the, the broader Brewsterverse that has been able to, to see, um, you know, that, that all school that we had with, with, uh, with Jacob online. And, and there has been great feedback, not just for what he what he shared, but also for the questions and the way that um, that you presented those questions in that all school. So mm -hmm. excellent job all around. And thank, thank you for you. being here today and for doing this. And, <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, thank you. And uh, stay tuned for next episode.